0: The Doctor Is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio, and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir?
1: This is Pierre. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Dr. Ray the Great. Well, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You
0: are helpless doctor i really appreciate that that makes me feel a lot better
1: you be at peace or else i'm gonna yell at
0: you Trying to find a reason to speak to you i think you're the best thing since sliced bread.
1: that ray he's something thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there they don't know what i can possibly do i don't either i'm getting my money worth i think at this phone call
0: now from the studios of living bread radio network in canton ohio the hometown of mother angelica here's dr ray I've always wondered, who decided
1: that sliced bread was so good? I was at a restaurant recently, kind of an Italian place, and the bread was not sliced. there's a big hunk of bread. It's always the way it used to be. Why did sliced bread become the best thing? Oh, you wonder about these things. We just say these mantras, never analyze them. Yeah, how'd you like to hang around with a psychologist? Good to have you with me here on The Doctor Is In. This is the Monday variant of The Doctor Is In, E-Person Monday. Given that people are so hypersensitive and radar vigilant to anyone using any vocabulary that just pricks them like man or woman or child get in trouble for using those words those are those are trigger words man oh I mean trigger words person so this is e person Monday and I don't even think we can use person much longer we just can't it's it's kind of a a derivative of of the Sun you know you are a person of the Sun so I, that's mm. it's it's gonna get the boot here shortly and I'm surprised that it's flown below the radar this long that somebody somewhere of the 7 billion people living on Earth, actually, this is mostly a Western phenomenon, particularly U.S. and Canada, some places in Europe, who has said, you know, the word person offends me, upsets me. I'm a psychologist, man. When you tell me what upsets you, you tell me a lot about you. But they don't know that. They think I just take what they tell me at face value. Okay, we're going to get to that. But, as is routine, the opening monologue. Not unusually, a couple is in my office for marriage counseling. Someone will bring up a chronic sore spot in their marriage. Let's say wife says, he never sticks up for me. Now, putting aside the use of the word never, which communication manuals tell you, never use never. He never supports me when his mother criticizes me. Criticizes me of all kinds of things, for all kinds of things. And she's been criticizing me for years. I'm not a good enough mother. My house isn't clean enough making bad decisions sounds like marie barone with deborah on everybody loves raymond right i will turn to husband and i'll ask do you know she thinks this way and as as i do more therapy i i leave behind the word feels this way and use the word thinks this way more more durable he says yeah oh yeah i've heard it many times Hmm. okay do you know why she thinks this way uh... uh, not not totally not really have you asked her? well she tells me yeah but have you asked her? have you said why do you think i do this? Mm, uh... not that much so the question really is a generic one if your spouse or your adult child or your mother or father has a certain perspective about you where you do things that they get upset about now notice i notice i didn't say you do things that upset them no they get upset about it it's not automatic it's not it's not reflexive i do a therefore you're upset no i do a Therefore, you upset yourself over it. Okay, it doesn't mean what I did was right or was, was wrong or right. It just means what I did you didn't like and you got upset about it. Oh, come on, Dr. Ray. You can do things to upset people. Well, yeah, you can do things that that breed reactions, but again, the reaction is in large part under the control of the person responding. So Of the people in your lives that you know think a certain way about you, things that you do, have done, things that you've said, they might think you're opinionated or hyper-religious, judgmental, bigoted, They may have all kinds of ideas about who you are and what you do that they irk themselves about. Do you know why? Have you asked them? Have you said, what do I do that makes you think that? Can you give me some examples? Now, don't immediately defend yourself. You're on a fact-finding mission. Well, opinion-finding mission, because what they tell you may not (laughs) reflect reality. It may reflect their own twisted perspective about something or their misreading of your motives. Nevertheless, make it your goal to find out why do you think that. Simply even asking why makes someone believe you want to understand them. And understanding is a, a decent first step toward resolution. I believe that many times people want to be understood more than they want to be agreed with. You can have, for example, your adult child who does not agree with the way they were raised in the faith, does not agree with your faith and the way you express it. However, they understand it. They say, Mom, I understand. That's what that's what you believe, and I respect that. I understand it. Now, doesn't that soften it? Rather than the way you think is dumb, the way you think makes no sense, the way you think hurt my childhood. Try to understand what's going on with someone so you can really explain why they think the way they do toward you. Somebody comes into my office and I can't know, I can't anticipate exactly what I'm going to hear. I could hear some pretty rot-gut stuff. Horrible choices. Hurtful conduct toward other people. Incredibly self defeating behaviors. Now, what do I have to do? Well, first, I got to listen, I got to hear details. Then, I got to try to understand. I've got to ask questions, explore motives, get specifics on why they do what they do. Because if I don't, Whatever counsel I might give could be as much off as on. My goal, definitely in those early moments of therapy, sometimes in the early sessions, is to kind of figure out what is moving this person, what explains this conduct, this thinking, these emotions, these patterns, these behaviors. What is it? I can't dispute it. I can't say, are you kidding? Why would you even think like that? No, I got to get inside their head. And I would suggest that's a first step towards resolving maybe some ill will toward a spouse or spouse toward you, a parent toward you, an adult child toward you. Make it your goal to find out exactly what is it that makes you think this way toward me. So, I'm going to take a break. And uh, if you're upset about that, I'm, I'm willing to uh, entertain your emails that uh, tell me why. I, I want to know. I'm Dr. Ray. The doctor will be with you in just a moment.
0: Well, I don't know about that. Brought to you by the nonprofit Seton Home Study. Hi, everybody. Dr. Ray
1: Gerindy here. You thinking about homeschooling? Seton Homeschooling, 40 years of experience, 17,000 current students, pre K through high school. They provide the books, the lesson plan, the counselors, the grading services, the tests. That's right, pretty much everything. My wife and I use Seton. Some of our children, tell you this, two of them got perfect ACT scores in verbal. And overall, the Seton students scored more than 100 points above average on the SAT. Over 30% higher on English and reading on the ACT. It's a rigorous program. You want to give the very best to your kids? Trust me on this one. Go with Seton. It is a beautifully rigorous academic program. Go to seatonhome.org. That is seatonhome.org.
0: The wisdom of Mother Angelica. I
2: want you to have such confidence in the Lord that you'll find such hope and see the beauty of the Lord, the majesty of God. What did our Lord say, huh? If your sins are as scarlet, oh, what? What's going to happen? They shall be made white as snow.
0: EWTN. Live truth. Live Catholic.
1: Uh, you're younger than me, honey. Yeah, no, I'm not. No way, Barbara. Barbara, I'm not younger you than perfect. anybody. Too cool. Too cool. you got to solve problems logistically, really. I saw a statistic that said most car accidents, the bulk of car accidents, occur within five miles of home. So my question is, why wouldn't everybody just move ten miles away? That, make, that makes sense to me. Nice to have you with me. Dr. Ray Grandy here. Doctor is in. E-Person Monday. My wife and I have been having a lot of trouble with our teenage boys. We have 11 kids. Seven boys first, three girls then, and then a boy. We do not permit them to have smartphones or any other internet or media device. They are homeschooled along with a good Catholic co-op two days per week. So we don't really know where... They're being influenced. What is happening here? But they got to be teenagers, and they suddenly turn away from us, their parents. All right, there's my question. It's a little unclear. Uh, is that, has this been the pattern with every kid who hit the teen years? Has this been, what, three in a row, four in a row, or is it speaking particularly of one child, maybe two it all started when my first son went through puberty and it was a roller coaster. He secretly got hold of a smartphone, not only listening to x-rated rap music, but writing his own with very explicit lyrics. He became violent, got into pornography, and we ended up with the police at our house on many occasions because he was out of control this went on for several years all right now I gotta stop there I would have one boatload of questions on what's going on what happened how'd the parents first handle it when it went on and In essence, what it sounds like is that they tolerated a lot of nasty, violent behavior for years. Now, the word tolerate is misleading because I know they would believe that they didn't tolerate it. They didn't allow this. But in a way, we did. Because when you have a kid that's that out of control, that's that violent and is, in fact, the oldest kid of 11, and the other kids are watching this, and they're watching mom and dad get, in essence, bullied by this kid... And the kids, the younger kids got to be wondering, who's in charge here? I've seen this happen a lot in a lot of families where you got the oldest kid who either by temperament or by what it sounds like with this guy, he's curious and his curiosity led him to believe his parents don't even know what they're talking about regarding faith, religion and morals and family life. And so he got pulled off by the culture as so, so, so many do. And he decided to make life miserable for everybody at home. And there are many occasions when I've had to advise parents, you need to press charges. So if this went on for several years, that probably didn't happen. We looked into boarding schools. We looked into but I imagine the cost probably got him. He eventually moved out. And here's the key line. But it seemed to have an impact on the other kids. I don't doubt that. You gotta keep in mind when you got the older kid who gets to an age where they decide mom and dad need to be challenged. And the six year olds watching this and the nine year olds watching it and the twelve year olds watching it, they're gonna think, Oh, well, I, I guess I guess mom and dad really aren't in charge of our house when when you get older, because They really don't seem to know what to do about this. All right. Our second son turned out to be very good. He was at Minor Seminary during his older brother's rebellion. Married, he and his wife were devout and active Catholics. Third was somewhere in the middle. But now, the fourth and fifth boys are acting like the first. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth son is about to turn 18 he tries to refuse to go to the homeschool co-op but we make him so he makes a lot of trouble for us arguing defiantly with his mother and fighting with other kids this is where i am i can't advise you to do this if i have an 18 year old who is disrespectful and uncooperative and bullying the younger children this is me he's not living in my house that's not happening. Now, I know the vast majority of parents tolerate this because they don't know what's going to happen to him. Where's he going to go? Who's he got? If he crashes and burns, I couldn't live with him myself. Well, that's a decision every parent has to make. He's very arrogant, and all he does is work out neat, and, and he's started to cuss when he gets angry. Plans on joining the military next fall. We'll see. We'll see what the military does with him. I don't know how to keep the atmosphere in my house peaceful well again given I know very little about your situation all I know is just this broad description you do have to decide as a parent if this kid is so adversarial and out of control I'm going to call in the authorities most parents don't do that but unfortunately nowadays many kids are forcing you now in between the lines here Dad points out that their second son is very faith-filled, and he's married. He's got kids. Why is this? They were both raised in the same home, right? The power of personality. Everybody has a different personality. When you got 11 kids, they're going to be scattered all over the map in their personality. Some are going to absorb your parenting very willfully, willing, willingly. Sorry, and some are going to reject it very willfully. It's who they are. And in all likelihood there are ways even at their homeschool co-op where they are exposed to the way the culture thinks and given that kids are innately immature even at 15, 16, 17 their brains aren't quite developed yet they're going to be influenced and the first people that they're gonna turn on is the parents who think very differently than the culture thinks and that happens you get this hostility that says, I'm not listening to you, I don't have to listen to you, and what are you going to do about it? And now, furthermore, I'm just going to decide how to make your life miserable. And Dad's saying, how do I keep peace in my home? Well, in some respects, sometimes they force you to get rid of the peacemaker, or the not the peacemaker, the fight maker. Now, I can't advise that because I don't know the situation. But it says here, when he acts up, we send him outside. But on the way to school, he causes trouble with my wife and the other kids, and we have no way of disciplining. Of course you do. Of course you do. You control everything. You control the food he gets, what kind. You control laundry. You control privileges. You control electricity. You control everything. Now, at this point, since he's pushing 18, you try doing this, he's probably going to explode on you. So, at some point, many parents are forced with a very tough choice, which is Am I going to live like this? Am I going to allow these children, this child, to so disrupt our house, to cause problems between me and my spouse, to have the younger kids live in fear? Am I going to do this? Or am I going to say, That's enough? Follow our rules. Or you're on your own that's a decision many parents have to make how do we stop this trend with our other children see okay more often than not when a parent comes in and describes an out-of-control 16 year old I mean a hostile violent nasty out-of-control teenager more often than not this was building it isn't that all of a sudden I flipped a switch at age 14 and became Cujo along the way there were probably insecurities in their discipline maybe disagreements between the spouses uh, too much negotiating too much thinking, well, all you have to do in a good Catholic home is just to be loving and kind and gentle and kids will turn out just fine. Usually, not always, but usually there are at least some explanations for how this got to this point. This particular kid may be predisposed to challenge. He's more willful than maybe his little brother. However, because the parents got overwhelmed early on by his conduct, by his attitude, by his opposition, it got worse. It got fast worse. I don't know if you even have the time to read these sorts of emails, Dr. Ray, but I do appreciate your time. I typically put out a notice to the person who sends the email in Oh, there I go. Email. Sorry about that. Even I slip back into old language patterns. Sends the e person in, and tell them that I did, so that they can be on the lookout for it. And if you ever miss something, you can always go to the Ave Maria radio archives. They're dated. Andrew Kruchek puts them up very shortly after the uh, live radio program, and they're there. So don't have to miss anything. You can't. You can't claim psychological gaps. Connection with Teresa
2: Tomio. There's so many issues that need to be discussed when we're looking at this continuing problem of mass shootings. At the heart of it is what's going on with the human person though. Father John brings up Deaths of Despair in great detail in his beautiful rescue project series. Or so many young people now, with that survey pre-COVID, were talking about how desperate they felt, how lonely they felt, how isolated they felt how suicidal they felt and then we had a recent survey come out from the CDC looking at a similar case with young girls and this feeling of desperation and loneliness that despite everything they had access to and what they could do with their bodies this so-called freedom the world's version of freedom that shoved down our throats every single day they're still not happy Catholic Connections
1: Teresa Tomio weekdays 9 a.m. Eastern On EWTN Radio.
2: How would you define the word beatitude? Webster's Dictionary defines beatitude as a state of utmost bliss and a declaration made in the Sermon on the Mount. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states that the beatitudes are, in effect, a portrait of the man who declared them, Jesus Christ, depicting his countenance and portraying his charity. The Beatitudes also describe the attitudes and actions that should portray and depict his followers, true Christians. The Beatitudes are paradoxical in their promises. None seems more paradoxical than number eight, which proclaims, blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. The paradox is that God is present, even amidst trials and tribulations. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism.
1: Thanks for joining me, Doctor Ray Grandy. Here, the program, the doctor is in Monday through Friday. That sounds like a Clint Eastwood kind of uh, theme song. Good to have you with me. This is E Person Monday, where I'm looking at the stack and the scroll on the phone, taking some of your E Persons. Doctor Ray, I'm looking for guidance on how to cope with my now-adult daughter who was abruptly taken from me by her father with the help of our local court when she was 8 years old. Now, obviously, don't know the circumstances of why that happened. Uh, Apparently, the court was convinced, rightly or wrongly, that mom shouldn't have uh, shared custody or perhaps even... I don't know I don't know what the accusations were I don't know how this all came down after a few years under her father's total custody okay so mom got removed from the scene her behavior towards me started changing and we can't even seem to hold a conversation peacefully Okay, I'm, I'm looking at the timeline here. Uh, eight years of age, living with father totally. After a few years, her behavior towards me started changing. Now, I'm, I'm confused. How was it that the behavior started changing if you had no contact? And then it seems like we've moved into the present, which is we can't seem to be able to even hold a conversation peacefully. So I don't really kind of know what transpired there. How, was it no contact all the way till she was 18? And then essentially those 10 years where she was estranged from you and who knows what her father told her about you um, impacted any relationship she might want to have with you. She looks to me like she needs psychological help, but she has never agreed to go do it. Now, have you suggested this to her? Because you got to be real careful about telling somebody, you know, you need help. Especially the way you say it. If, for example, she's complaining about life and her circumstances and her situation, and you say, have well, you ever thought about talking to somebody about this? Okay, that's different than implying you need to get some help. Many people don't like to hear you need to get some help because they interpret that as I'm deficient or you think I'm deficient. But she has never agreed to go do it. Now, does that mean that you've spoken about this many times? Because probably a good rule of thumb is once You said it once, it was rejected, she wanted no part of it. And you probably would do well to let it go. She is now a mom of a 17-month-old and a second baby on its way. Is she married? Is she not? sounds like she's a single mom. I would like to know what kind of support she needs or we need in order for our relationship to become a normal and healthy one. Okay, two levels to that question. One... Uh, If your relationship's going to become a normal and healthy one, if it is, you're probably going to have to be pretty patient. It's going to take a while. Who knows what she was told? Who knows how she was raised those 10 years? First thing. So, in fact, if she's suspicious toward you, if she's hostile toward you, if she doesn't want to hear your opinions about anything then it's going to take quite a while, if at all, to get to a point where you say, boy, I really have a close, loving relationship with my daughter because she really wants me in her life all the time, or totally, or the way I'd like to be. Now, what kind of help or support? Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to watch the kids? Do you want to say, what can, I, what can I do to help you out? you want to financially give her help? Where's her father in all this? Uh, how old is she? She says she's a mom of a 17-month-old. Is she 23, 24, 28, or 19? So a lot of that's going to depend upon. If, she, for example, she's 28, then she's now had 20 years of essentially no relation or thin relationship with you. So that means it's going to take longer. So what do you want to do? You want to just visit with her? You want to talk to her? You want to ask about the kids? You want to take joy in the kids? But you better not give her advice unless she asks for it. Because you know as well as I do, you've already probably done it. And it's going to be thrown back at you. And especially if in her mind, she's thinking, Well, you know, I didn't have you as a mom for all those years growing up. And now you're coming into my life and trying to tell me how to run it. Now, if she's thinking that, pick up on it real quick and back away in terms of your opinions, your mentoring, your guidance. If she asks, wonderful. So I think the the best way to try to heal this relationship is to simply be an easygoing, caring mom who doesn't tell her what she's doing wrong all the time or even some of the time or even once in a while. Because it sounds like in between the lines I'm reading here is that she is sensitive to you doing any of this. I think with another child on the way, she may logistically reach out to you. There's your opening. And watch the baby, you know, come over and just hold the baby. Take joy in the children. Because as a mother, she's going to look at that. And she's going to see the warmth of her own mother with these grandchildren. And that would probably do a lot to warm up this relationship because she's going to see that those kids mean the world to you, and they're her kids, and you're involved in their life in some way. And that's really your way of saying, I'm here for you now and hopefully she will have enough tolerance and forgiveness of you to say okay i want to have a decent relationship with my mother even though after all those years being told how awful and terrible she was and even though these years she tried to give me my she tried to give me her unwanted opinions Okay, she's not doing The Mom's not doing that anymore. I think, I think that's your best bet, Mom. I think that's the way to do it. Take it slowly with your now-grown daughter.
0: The Heart of the Interior Life, with Elizabeth Jangle.
2: In the fourth rule for the discernment of spirits, St. Ignatius of Loyola describes seven forms of spiritual desolation. The first form of spiritual desolation is darkness of soul. This darkness of soul is in direct contrast to the workings of the good spirit in spiritual consolation, that of inspiration. A soul experiencing darkness of soul feels they are in, as Father Timothy Galger describes it,
1: An anxiety-filled darkness. Father Gallagher writes, Here the person feels helplessly trapped in confusion, unable to comprehend what is occurring spiritually. Mingled with this inability to understand is the effectively heavy sense that all things are going badly and will continue to worsen. Though the experience of spiritual
0: desolation can be difficult, the call is always to reject it. Spiritual desolation is always built on a lie. For more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net.
1: Living the Beatitudes with Father Bjorn Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I Can't Get No Satisfaction is a popular song, but it could be a summary of our life on earth. In the book of Genesis, we hear that we're made in the image and likeness of God. That means that we can know the truth and we can choose to do good to others. We can love. It comes to fulfillment in the Sermon on the Mount where we hear these beatitudes. It's the standard of the Christian life. Jesus tells us that if we hear what he says and do what he tells us to do, we'll be like wise people who build our house on solid rock. But we make progress towards happiness and blessedness by our actions, and it starts with our interior disposition, what we want to choose. Do you and I hunger and thirst for those things that will lead us to happiness and to God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, or they shall be satisfied.
2: For more about the Beatitudes, visit EWTNRC.com.
1: Nice to have you with me, Dr. Ray Garendi, program doctor is in. This is the Monday variant of The Doctor Is In. This is where I take a look at the emails that come in, pouring in many from the radio show, many from the TV show, Living Right With Dr. Ray, which is in Season 12, airing on the EW10 Global Catholic Television Network. Okay, this is... She starts out, Is It True? Usually when people say, Is It True?, Regarding some psychological, emotional, personal issue. It's something that they have heard, read from the lips of an expert. My 20-year-old daughter is reading a book. Here it is. About generational trauma. Over three generations. Alright, I'm going to stop right there. Just reading that sentence. I smell... I sense. Now, keeping in mind, as I've said on the program before, I choose these e-persons for a number of reasons. I read them the first time, and then I don't go back to them until I read them on the program. And I like doing that because I get a chance to anticipate what I think the major conflicts or matters are. Notice I didn't say issues. And see if I hit it as this moves on. Now, I'm going to stop right there at that end of that sentence. My guess would be that the 20-year-old daughter has some kind of resentment or sort of a a therapeutic-type insight against her mother for something in these past generations, which the 20-year-old daughter is saying, that's why I am that way. You did it. Well, let's see if I am right or wrong on this. She suffers, meaning the daughter, From anxiety, depression, and insomnia. And then, parenthetically, mom says, she loves to read. Well, what kind of stuff does she read? It sounds like she's reading stuff to try to figure out why she is the way she is. Are you familiar with the word iatrogenic? See, I like to fling around those big words just to sound photosynthesis. Iatrogenic means doctor-caused. Now, you could broaden that word out, I think, to mean therapist-caused, theory-caused. So she's reading all kinds of stuff, and she's searching for why she is anxious, depressed, and can't sleep. And she's going to read a lot of theories. She's going to read all kinds of experts who have their ideas on exactly how this all came about. And currently, she's reading the book on generational trauma over three generations. This goes way back. She is the way she is because of something in grandma's life. Mom goes on. I was emotionally and verbally abused by her father. Well, I'm always nervous about those words. I I don't have time to to digress on that, but... You might want to say I was just mistreated by her father when I was pregnant with her. I yelled at her, screamed at her, put her down, whatever he did. Both my maternal grandmother and my mother were possibly sexually abused. My daughter was very angry with me when I left her father. Who she repeats, was verbally, emotionally, and then she says, and physically, all right, abusive, with her oldest brother, my stepson, and her at times. All right, so this is a second union, and uh, the stepfather didn't like mom's son from a previous relationship, and I don't know if the daughter was from a previous relationship either. But when she says physically abusive, I don't know exactly what that means. Was he spanking him? What was going on? I don't know. And then she says he is currently in prison. This is the, this is the stepdad that our writer left for committing a felony against his baby girl and his common-law wife. All right. This doesn't exactly sound like a marriage made in heaven. I never reported her father because I was scared and he threatened me. Only recently have I learned the truth of God's word and became a faithful Catholic mother who attends mass every week, sometimes on Friday too, and Eucharistic adoration every Friday. Nice, nice to nice to hear that someone who said, you know, my life was kind of bouncing every which way, it was turbulent, there was clouds on the horizon, But I converted, and it's made so much difference. I left her father when she was in pre-K. Now, this is the 20-year-old. And she was very angry with me because I took her away from her daddy. Now, this is interesting because pre-K, three, four years old, maybe five, would be upset. But generally, something like that wouldn't linger unless there was ongoing conflict between the parents she's been in counseling most of her life but nothing seems to help she now understands why i left him and is here here we go there it is and is searching for answers for her condition so she's reading and getting some theories and she's talking to a counselor She knows I pray to God daily for God to heal her, but she doesn't agree with our Catholic Church or sacred traditions quite yet. I raised her and my other three children Catholic, but I wasn't very active back then. I guess my comment here is a generic one. On one hand, there may be some usefulness in looking back and trying to understand the history of, Of what led up to the way I look at life now the way I do things now the way I think now the way I feel now the way I treat people now there's some I guess there's value in trying to understand that but the real value comes from where do I go from here I can't undo that that was well she's 20 now that was 15 years ago and so the fact that I'm having trouble sleeping and I'm anxious and I'm depressed you could say well it was due to the fact that my mother's life and even my grandmother's life was not exactly the smoothest you can believe that and for the most part it could be reasonably accurate but how does that help If one says, I want to move forward from here, I want to be less depressed, I want to be less anxious, I want to sleep better. I want to be more content with life. What do you do from here? What thinking do you have to change? What choices do you have to discard? Now, our writer said an interesting thing that this young lady wants nothing to do with the Catholic Church for the most part, I guess. Um, Okay. Then she's going to have to deal with her own morality, if you will, her own life perspective on the basis of how she chooses to look at things as opposed to how the church would tell her to heal. What the church has to offer her to help her heal. She, She doesn't want to hear that. Okay, so now she's in a position. She's limited her options from that perspective. So where does she go from here? I guess I would tell our writer here, Mom, you're, 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 and I know you're feeling guilty, but there's, there's no reason here. You had to make some decisions in a very frightening, scary situation, and <laughs> it turned out that uh, your, your daughter's stepfather, if that's who he was, was. Uh, Well, he's in prison, so obviously there's some impulse control problems there. So you had to make decisions. You had to do what you thought was best at the time. And your daughter, for whatever the reason, resents that, and she feels like the reason I'm struggling is because of what you did. I would hope she gets over that, because without her getting over that, I think her progress is definitely going to be delayed, if not stunted.
0: I'm Dr. Ray. We'll return after these messages. Would you get on a plane that doesn't have a pilot? Investing in passive index mutual funds may present the same issue. The Ave Maria mutual funds are actively managed by seasoned investment professionals to help you meet your investment goals in a morally responsible way. Ave Maria funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors could invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. You can learn more about the Ave Maria Mutual Funds at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com.
3: In a Facebook world, we can multiply virtual friends, and yet psychologists and sociologists tell us we have fewer and fewer actual friends. This is not good. We're made for friendships. Friendship with God, first of all, but secondarily, friendship with other human beings. Jesus calls his apostles, friends. And when he faces his greatest suffering, he asks his inner circle of friends to come and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. They come, but they fall asleep. Jesus isn't crushed when his friends fail to live up to his expectations. He doesn't withhold his love from them. He doesn't cast them away, nor does he suffer their neglect silently. He confronts them. Couldn't you have prayed with me for an hour? Then he moves on to do the will of his Father in heaven. When friends let us down, as they will, we should follow the example of Jesus, lovingly confront them, but remember that they can never substitute for God who stands ready as our ultimate friend. Cresta in the Afternoon, weekdays at 4 Eastern on EWTN Radio. Maybe you've been hearing a lot about the need to make a spiritual communion while participating from home in a live-streamed or broadcast Mass. Maybe you've even prayed the prayer of spiritual communion. Spiritual communion is a concept that goes all the way back to the 4th century. It flourished in the Eastern Church and gradually moved west. Spiritual communion stresses the transcendence of God, where we unite our desires, intentions, and loves with the holy sacrifice of the Mass and the consecration of the Eucharist at the altar. Jesus, I embrace you and unite myself wholly to you.
1: Thank you for joining me, Dr. Ray Grandy here at Program The Doctor Is In. i got a question here, I've often pondered this. I minored in philosophy when I was in college. Um, and this is kind of the sorts of questions that psychology or philosophy brings up that mess up your head. If you try to fail and you succeed, which one have you done? Did you ever think about that? Okay, just a thought, just a thought, kind of stuff that keep these amateur philosophers awake for long periods at night. I do marriage counseling, and rarely do I have someone come into my office and begin with, "Uh, Dr. A, I am here because it has finally occurred to me that I'm very difficult to live with. I want to take a hard look at myself I want my spouse and I had to drag my spouse in then they didn't want to come but I want my spouse to help me point out where I can improve as a person where I can be a better more loving person more tolerant more kind easier to live with Hmm. I don't don't get that really is the presenting problem very often Usually it's, we're having problems, or usually it's, fix my spouse, or usually it's, let me tell you what's wrong with our marriage, and you tell that other person to straighten up. Well, this is a quote from C.S. Lewis, which directly addresses this. We are all, and he puts all in script, we are all fallen creatures. And all very hard to live with. Now, one could make the case that's not necessarily always true. You know, people in your life that you live closely with, and in fact, they're 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 pretty pleasant. They're pretty easygoing. They're they're pretty nice. So, I think Lewis is pointing out that we all have the potential to be tough to live with. The cynic, and I don't know which cynic said this maybe hl mencken or oscar wilde said familiarity breeds contempt meaning the more you get to know somebody the more you see who they are warts and all your first impression oh what a good guy he's a nice guy oh i had 20 minute conversation very pleasant very civil enjoyable seems like a good guy and then you get to know him as your neighbor. And over time, it's like, yeah, you know what? The yeah, There's things about him. It's hard to take. So the, the cynic says, familiarity, given enough time, you're going to get to know enough about someone. It's going to breed. Now, he uses the word contempt. You might say discord, dissatisfaction. It doesn't have to be that way. I think part of being easygoing is always looking at yourself and saying where am i not easygoing where am i where am i prickly where am i demanding where do i get easily upset something doesn't go the way i want it to go and then i'm going to be moody about it i'm going to be upset i'm going to drag it out too it isn't going to be a 12 minute mood it's going to be 2 days you got to know yourself. Lewis says we're all fallen, all fallen, and we're all very hard to live with. Well, I guess I I sort of agree with him, but I, I do believe it goes along a continuum. There are some people who are very hard to live with, and, and part of being hard to live with, they don't see that they're hard to live with. You ever notice that? One characteristic of a difficult person is they don't see they're difficult. If they did see they're difficult, maybe their difficulty would get less. You need, I need, we need. Now, I don't like saying need. Let's just say we would do well. To focus on ourselves. I want to know where I'm not easy going. Where I make demands. Be the way I want. Where I'm hard to live with. That's what I pray for. Ja, God would you show me? Thank you for joining me. Dr. Ray here. I appreciate so very much your kind attention and presence. Even though I don't know you're there, but I just sense it. Walk with God. You, the more you walk with Him, I think the easier you will be to live with.
0: For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.